I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Tuesday, we're back. New week, new us, same us, just different Tuesday. Murph, how you doing, buddy? I'm all right. Just thought I'd update everyone that the coronavirus is circling in on Surrey. Oh, Lord. My old school has the coronavirus. I mean, what, what, you know, why? the towns near us have the coronavirus. It's actually to the point where it's safer for me to go into central London and just stay there than it is to be out where we are. So we're right in like coronavirus. We're not. We're not anywhere near Wuhan bad. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. This is Surrey. We tend to over exaggerate these things. Yeah, well, you're, you're case in point, my friend. <laughs> so you know, just to let you know, if this does go out and you read about us in the paper um, suffering from the coronavirus, we did it for you, but it won't stop us. We'll still record, even in self-isolation or wherever it is that you're supposed to do. That is the magic of the internet, people. <laughs> if that guy who got himself famous for being on that ship and stuck and going on This Morning Britain every single week or Good Morning Britain or whatever it's called, <laughs> literally every day was just like, yep, yeah, still on the boat. Yep, yeah, still not still got coronavirus. Oh, got it now. Better go. Bye. You know, is we'll that how he signed out? That's pretty much how he signed out, yeah. Goodness gracious. Should we do guest? Well, I mean, if, have, have we got one on the line? Wait, hang on. Yeah, no, he's here. He's here. Rush Nation is returning. I don't know. How many he's done now? Done a couple. Draft ones. But this is 
this is special because this is uh, our guest's forte. This is like, I can't think of anyone in the UK that knows more about the draft than this person. That's pretty big stuff. It's true. Maybe he knows. Okay. So for those of you that aren't involved in Murph and I's text messages, we had another tight end debate today. <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, I mean, it wasn't really a debate. Well, no, you just told me, well, you didn't tell me. You said one of us would be wrong and the pretense was it would be me. You put, who was your number one tight end? Well, you have to read the article. I'm not going to tell you. Okay. But yeah, go read my article. Anyway, today's guest knows a hell of a lot about the draft. The draft is coming up. Host of the Collapsing Pocket Podcast. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Host of the Collapsing Pocket Podcast. Oh, sorry. What? It's Simon Carroll, everyone. Welcome back, Simon. Why don't you get a shorter name for your pod? And we're doing it, guys. Uh, we just call it the CPP, so you can do that if you want. C- CPP, I'm yeah, on board. I like you to struggle. You do. At least there's no... I, I don't even remember the name I struggled with. Quite a lot. Yeah, no, not quite a lot. It's just the Alex lady. I don't know. Right. Well, me neither. Anyway, Sai, welcome to Five Row Rush, buddy. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. No, no coronavirus up here, lads. Uh, one guy from Berry got it, but now he's been shipped down to near you guys somewhere. That is one benefit of living in the north. Your internet might be sketchy as it's still being installed, but stop it. on the plus side... You know, no coronavirus. So, you know, every every cloud, silver lining. But anyway, <laughs> before we get into the show, so the reason it's the debate is that Stocks wrote a tight end oh, yeah. article, um, and he's written about four tight ends. Part one, part one. Part one. Um, the, some of the tight ends that weren't in there, Bryson Hopkins. Okay. Uh, See? See? Reaction says it all. We just, okay. Like, who's that dude? Sorry, I don't know if you want me to say something about him. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know who he is. Yeah, Bryce Hopkins, Hunt, Hunter Bryant wasn't in there. Uh, Harrison Bryant wasn't in there. Just a shortcut. So, was that three guys, or did you miss miss? No, there were three guys who weren't in. So, two of them had the same last name. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? The Bryant brothers. So, who was in there? That's the question, I suppose. Or do we need to go and read it? You need to go and read it, Sai. All right. No, but, I'll tell you. Or tease it. Oh, yeah. Well, you could tease and say your number one was the man who lit up the combine. You fell for the 40 time. No, I didn't. Because if you actually read the article, read the article. it says very clearly this was written before <laughs> the combine. It does. <laughs> and it does state in there that he could run a fast 40 time. Yeah. Yeah, so Albert O was my number one. Then I had Adam... And Troutman. Troutman. All I can think was Trent from, from Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, then I had Cole Kmet, and then I had Pinkman. Pinkham? Yeah, Jared Pinkham from Vandy. They were my top four. Albert O's a funny one. There you guys try and pronounce his surname if you can. Nope. <laughs> you know how to say it, Si. Uh, no, not really. Uh, Albert O. Begquudnam. But I don't know how he say it properly, you know, without <laughs> pausing in between to make sure you've got all the letters right. So. <laughs> it's like I'll, can- I'll practice. Yeah, something like that. I'll practice it before we get to April, don't we? Good for your time. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I don't have a grasp, too large a grasp of the college game, so I can only go on what I've heard, read, and seen at the Combine and stuff. But obviously, it was written before the Combine, so I think Troutman is my number one overall, but there was something about Albert O that just... I wanted to put him top, because if he does explode, I can finally say, I got one right, and if he doesn't, it would just be standard resume. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you flash back 12, 12 months ago, two thousand eighteen, he was the he was the hot tight end everyone was looking forward to watching this season. Just kind of faded away a little bit, struggled, fitness injuries, um, and 
just kind of like a, a distinct lack of athleticism on tape anyway. But then he came did that 4.4940 and all of a sudden he's back in the equation again. Not so good in the gauntlet by all accounts. Didn't see it myself. But um, the 40s where everyone watches ultimately. And it'll certainly do himself no harm with that, with that figure at all. So, yeah, fair play to your stocks. Well done, man. Yeah, I mean, if if people could stop it, find just his... let me have one, Murph. Yeah, Jesus if Christ. people could, like, if he could get a copy of all his 2019 tape and just have it like incinerated, then he's got a great chance. But unfortunately, there's right. too much of him not being able to catch short to intermediate passes, or get open, or beat a man, or just get his feet just sorted, or give you know, him a he... chance is all I'm asking. I listen. This Dwayne the Rock Johnson didn't get put into the NFL, and he's a far better athlete now, but. But was it controversial? <laughs> that's what we know. That's what we know for hot takes. Yeah. So Dwayne the Rock, you know, if you are listening, let us know if you think you're a better athlete now or then. Well, that was a homage to Lee because he was part of the U. Did not know that. See, every day's a school day, Rush Nation. Won the national title with the U. Yeah. Utter truth being dropped right here. I know. So, Sai, how did you get into football, college football, and the draft? Oh, wow. Um, university, really, i say. That's how it started. I'm staying up late, not really doing anything. Not Certainly not studying, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I went to university 2001. That's when I started watching the NFL. Um, been obsessed with it ever since. It was uh, took me six years to choose a team after that. I didn't really have a team for ages until I watched the Colts versus the Chargers on a, a night game. I can't even remember what it was, but the Colts... Yeah, Peyton Manning was at the Colts and he got intercepted six times, three times by Antonio Cromarty. And one of those catches was like an it was like a an OBJ catch behind his head. And Darren Sproles, Darren Sproles ran a uh, kickoff back ninety odd yards for a touchdown. So I just, I just like sign me up because I'm always I'm from Preston, you know, I, I support Preston enough and I'm used to being an underdog fan. So <laughs> that was kind of me. Sign me up anytime an underdog wins. That's that was perfect. And of course they've got the greatest uniforms in the NFL, so that was uh, good enough for me. How the Blues. They're sexy, aren't they? Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, them, them, the creamsicles need to be like permanent fixtures in the NFL. Stocks, I've got a question for you, mate. What? No. John Elway. John Elway. What is he doing? Changing from those lovely navies with the orange torch to that orange mess behind your head? Because that is um, that that is hard to look at. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whereas Jay Cutler in the blue, that was really nice. Yeah, I mean, when was that? Oh, it was a good decade ago. Yeah, yeah, See, that, that's, that's pre-me really getting into it, Si, if I'm honest. Oh, so you've only known Orange. Yeah, and to be fair, the orange I see can be completely different to the orange everyone else sees because I'm hugely <laughs> colourblind. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I quite like it, but it might be horrendous for everyone else. So, yeah, no, I oh. can't comment. Oh, well, uh, you're lucky. <laughs> you don't want to know what it really looks like, mate. Listen, all, all I'm going to say is the Buccaneers, they're getting rid of the uniforms. The the alarm clock numbers are going in the bin. Um, imagine if they keep the numbers. They're not keeping the numbers. <laughs> just imagine. Just imagine. Listen, they well, they changed just... everything, but the numbers are still the same as a throwback to when it was terrible. So they've leaked the draft hat for the Buccaneers, as, as they always do. Are the draft hats terrible this year like they were last year? No, because they're not a homage to 100 years ago with state flags that were 100 years old that just looked weird. Um the Bucks one looks all right, but doesn't really give away what they're doing with the uniform, other than the fact that the logo, which I think is cool, remains. The the flag one? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's a strong logo. Yeah. It is a strong logo. So I think that they... I, I, think, it, I think they're going back to Super Bowl Red, which would be great. 
get a bit of pewter in there as well. Again, I'm out really on this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll move on. So, so it's not. Um, what else did I do? Uh, uh, college football. I've only, I've not been as big a fan of college football for, um, for that many years, to be honest. I've, I've always enjoyed just like checking in from afar, keeping an eye out whenever I can. Never really get to the, the remote on Saturdays, to be honest, to be able to watch college football. But um, <laughs> start watched it a whole lot more this last year, obviously with the uh, working at the touchdown. Um, but the NFL draft, I've been obsessed with that since I'd say about 2007. That was the year that Jamarcus Russell went first overall to the Raiders. Um, and then the year after that, I started play scouting. That was uh, two, that was my favourite draft, 2008, because it was like the time when I first started doing it. And it was like Matt Ryan, Chris Long, Darren McFadden, that, that class of people coming out. I can't remember who the Buccaneers drafted in that year, to be honest. I should have, I should have researched that, but that would have been quite cool. But yeah, two years later, I set up NFL Draft UK. Um, that was my first website. And then the... Uh, Last year was my last year on that side before I fully migrated over to the touchdown in July as head of college football and NFL draft content. So that's me. So who's your college team? Uh, Texas Longhorns, which ironically play in orange. But uh, it's a nice orange. Isn't it exactly the same? Yeah. Yours is like tangerine, which is probably where my hatred for orange comes from because I'm Preston fans and we hate Blackpool. But um, burnt orange is a beautiful colour. It's completely different. I would, yeah, okay. I mean, they look spot on exactly the same to me so i i'm obviously seeing something completely different to everybody else but, maybe i'm just justifying it mate yeah, yeah. what a, you know but i do i like the longhorns the reason i like the longhorns is because i listened to a podcast series sports wars with the gate no who georgia isn't it georgia longhorns that's texas longhorns yeah and then the, who's their big rivalry oklahoma with? oklahoma that was it oklahoma sooners mm. yeah that was a good podcast series have you heard that side I've not actually. No, you should check it out. It's a good one. There's lots. I, I, of oh yeah, I don't lots know how people get so much time to listen to all these different podcasts. I keep telling them to listen to mine, and realise that I don't even listen to mine. I ain't got time for it, so I really struggle. It's hard work listening to yourself back though. Oh, that's the best bit. <laughs> I don't mind that at all. No, yeah, I, um, it's not for me. I've tried. It's only when we get, yeah. you know, massive guests like yourself, Si, that I'll listen to it back and. <laughs> and absorb and absorb it so what do you first, first you ridicule my internet now you're uh, now you're uh, being sarcastic <laughs> we'll be coming back onto this podcast <laughs> well as long as you make it to the end side, we'd appreciate that and then you can be on oh, it yeah. anyway <laughs> so what do you prefer writing about NFL college draft oh, the draft is, yeah the draft is definitely my thing I absolutely love it um, I've done for years I just I, the whole idea of parity in the NFL well, uh, works through this one system that Bert Bell came up with when he was owner, stroke, general manager, stroke coach at one point as well for the Eagles. Um, just the idea that, and all the owners bought into it, even the guys who had, had sustained success before that, this idea that the worst team gets the first pick in each round, you know, keeps parity, keeps people interested. And yeah, it, it's just an, it's an amazing story. It's, it's what makes this sport so unique, even in America, but certainly compared to sports we watch over here. Um just, I think without it, it wouldn't be the same. We'd be watching another example of baseball with the Yankees every year dominating. Um, and yeah, just, I don't know what it is. I think it's probably partly wanting to be, experience that for myself, you know, being one of those college kids who are, have excelled at the college ranks and they're going on to the NFL. It looks like a, a journey that you really like to get involved with. And you start scouting them, you start learning about these guys and you, you get kind of excited to find out where they can go, even if you don't think that they're, they're any good or not you know you just want to know where everyone ends up and trying to project where they go and then you've got you know, the mock drafts and everything around it it's a, it's, it's a big circus that I just absolutely love that's fair how di- how deep do you dive into all the players and because there's 
loads of colleges and players and stuff. How how far do you get down the rabbit hole? Uh, well, I've got further this time than I ever had, to be honest. Um, back when I first started, I just focused on like the uh, like picks for the first two days, the top three rounds, really. That's what I tried to really look at. Uh, this year, I made a concerted effort to get to absolutely everybody, uh, certainly from the FBS, the, all the major colleges, um, the top ranks, even some free undrafted free agent rookies or potential undrafted free agent rookies, should I say. Um, but my colleagues at the touchdown, they're really pushing me. Like I'm learning all about like Division Three, Division Two FCS players that I just never would have even considered scouting before. So outside of the guys like you just mentioned, Adam uh, Troutman, the tight end, and people who are obviously making noises at the top end of the prospect rankings, um, I would never really have paid much attention to the, to the lower um, guys that like I have this year. It's been crazy. You mean you haven't been watching Mac Conference football, side? Come on. Oh, Mac's fine. Mac's all right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's Division 1. That's um, no, Division 1. <laughs> You're talking French now, boys. No, that's honest. where the Chippewas play. Oh, far up chips. Yeah, your favourite <laughs> favorite college team. Behind who? I think of someone better than that. You know, I can't get on board with the Chippewas anymore. No, but we dumped them. Right? Yeah, they hired Jim McElwain, didn't they? <laughs> McElwain's their head coach. I can't, I, can't, I can't get behind that man in any way. He, <laughs> he's probably the worst football coach. I want to say ever... I'm sure there's someone that was worse. It, like, if you gave me a choice between Hugh Brown or Hugh Jackson, sorry, not Hugh Brown, Hugh Jackson and Jim McElwain, I'd take Hugh Jackson. That's a statement there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know really who the but chips you, you are. You've watched Florida under McElwain. I mean, we're going, obviously, it's pre Dan Mullen, but we only have to go back three, four years to look at Jim McElwain's Florida teams, and they were abysmal. I mean, just abysmal to watch, abysmal to look at. I mean, he led us to like a four-win season, which is just ridiculous. I don't know how the Chips did this season. I think they might have done all right. They improved. I think they got uh, four or five can't wins. can't be the worst in history. Well, yeah, but they, they classes that were recruited before him. You know, they also, you know, I'm not being funny, they went up from two wins. <laughs> if he's got them up to, let's see what they're ready for. Do you remember that game you live tweeted? Yeah, that was quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> I live tweeted the Chippewas game, and all of a sudden we just started getting all these random fans interacting with our tweets. <laughs> they got smashed as well, didn't they? <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. It was, um, I think they turned over the ball in six of seven possessions. <laughs> Fire up chips. But the other team were just as bad. It was There was at one point, there were seven consecutive series from both sides where the ball was turned over. Is that one of those Thursday night matching games that are uh, yeah. quite, I think e- it was eerily, a Friday qu- night. quiet with no, uh, no, no fans in the stands. I think. Yeah. But the Chippewas have got some uh, big-time NFL players. They've got the first overall draft pick in Eric Fisher, who's the left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, Antonio Brown. Brown, of course, yeah. Sean Murphy Bunting. Drafted oh, last year, but back it is in the second round came from the Chippewas. I wonder how you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky guess. Let's let's no, sorry. So we ask the same question to every guest that comes on, and that is what advice would you give to our listeners who want to talk about their passion, whether it be the Chippewas, model trains, bike riding, whatever it is that they want to talk about, what advice would you give to them in order to get into talking about it? Oh wow. Um just I'd just say just get started some way somehow you know I made my mates like football in the first place none of them really watched it then I made them do a podcast and they love me for it now but at the time they hated it um it was 
yeah, whatever your passion is, whatever part of this sport it is you want to do, just dive in at some point. Like when I first started my website, I was always paying for, for it because I had no idea how to build a website. So it was one of those easy ones that you just kind of like drag and drop things in. Just got going. Crack on on social media, absolutely pepper social media with your work and your opinion. And you better be prepared for some serious backlash if people don't agree with you because that's what I endured for a good five years. Um, find out other people out there on, uh, with similar interests, collaborate, learn. You know, you got you just got to grind really, twenty four seven work, and eventually others like, well, like I suppose uh, Dan from the Touchdown did with me when we first started talking about setting up the Touchdown website. You know, other people will notice your work eventually if you're passionate and you work hard. Then opportunities will come. Hundred percent, could not agree with that statement anymore. Yeah. It's, um, so come on then. I know you absolutely detest fantasy football, but how did your twenty nineteen fantasy season go, man? <laughs> There's a reason why I detest it, stocks, and that's because I'm absolutely crap at it. Um, yeah, it was a train, it was a tra- train wreck from start to finish, just like the three seasons prior to that. Um, I, I failed to make the playoffs. I've done for the last four years. Uh, now, I know I say I hate it, and I do. I don't really enjoy it. I, I do enjoy it when I win. Don't get me wrong, but it's very rare, isn't it? But what annoys me most is that when people enjoy that the game within the game more than the game itself, I think that's just what irks me. Like life becomes about fantasy rather than the NFL myself. And then I'm sat there on Sunday watching NFL, trying to be a nice neutral observer of I don't know, the Packers versus the Broncos or whatever. And I ended up shouting at Matt LaFleur on, Fleur on the screen, like, why the hell do you just run it in with Aaron Jones? You know, when you could have <laughs> thrown it to Devontae Adams and that. I, I just decided I stopped looking at the scores halfway through it because I still have to compete. In, you know? I'm only in two leagues. I, I do um, the UK Fantasy League. Um, basically just make sure that Ben Rolfe doesn't pester me too much. Uh, <laughs> and we did do very well in that even, to be honest. I can't remember. I left that to my colleague, Rob Ward. We did it as like the podcast team. Um, and he's much better than me. But um, yeah, my other team, um, we've been doing like for nine years now, I'd say just a small 18 PPR league for friends and family, which were basically the people that I encouraged to get into the sport in the first place. Um I have won it twice, but it was like twice in the first four years when everybody else was started slowly learning, whereas I knew a little bit about it, I think. so. But I, I remember one season where I had uh, Peyton Manning uh, as the quarterback. It was a season he fell off the cliff right at the end, and I was clinging on to DLI for this trophy. And then, then Jeremy Hill, I think it was, ran an 80-yard touchdown in to seal the deal in week 16. I was like, oh, it's elated. So, you know, I understand. I do understand that the, when you win, it's fantastic, isn't it? I just uh, I don't win enough, I think, is the problem. So I'm, I'm going to have to get you guys to... Uh, you know, remember the movie Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Bells with like the dude's cheating at cards and he's yeah. looking for a cat. I'm going to have to have you two at uh, the draft night. Basically, I'll just like screen grab you and get you to look at my phone as we're drafting so you can help me out. Um, yeah. We're definitely <laughs> available for that kind of shit. Really? Yeah. <laughs> this this year, I got absolutely obliterated by my first four picks. I got uh, Joe Mixon, Juju, Lev Bell, Zach Ertz. Cheers. Just murdered... And, like, I mean, outside of a mini turnaround for the mix in the back half of that year, they've just killed me. Absolutely killed me. I got Melvin Gordon, I think, in the seventh round. That was a value pick. Didn't pan out, obviously. That was a risk. Did okay, like, late round picks. I got Lamar in the tenth round, I think, and Cortland Sutton, AJ Brown, Philip Lindsay, Josh Jacobs. They were all, like, late people. That, well, I suppose when you're in an eight-team PPR league, you really need – every roster's going to be – going to be stacked aren't they so you're going to have to hit with your big dogs I suppose so, that's yeah. it like smaller leagues are really difficult because everybody has good teams yeah. that's the mm-hmm. trouble like people think oh an 8 team or a 10 team league will be easy you know I, I'll get all the late but people teams are stacked all the way through from the very beginning yeah and it's yeah, very it's difficult. a nightmare it's very Absolutely difficult if you have a couple of injuries and stuff then 
unless you are a waiver wire god. Very difficult. I just in an eight team league now, I'd play with the strategy of not drafting a QB. Oh, hundred percent. I picked up Tom Brady, I think, for the first part of the season. Yeah, I didn't really have a I got Lamar late on. I thought, well, best just in case Lamar doesn't pan out. Got uh, Tom Brady. I didn't really care. I didn't draft anybody other than Lamar. So, but yeah, finished season four and nine, and then I had to watch sit there and watch both my colleagues after collapsing pocket podcast make it to the playoffs. So <laughs> right, at least at least you didn't have Phil Rivers. I told you to stay away from him early. <laughs> I am, I'm not I am disappointed because I had him ranked seventeenth coming into the season, and he outperformed my expectation. He finished sixteenth. Yeah, he finished sixteenth. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than I thought, to be honest. Yeah, it was better than I thought. But uh, yeah, just I, I still love the player. Just you know, it just is a bit different. But moving away from fantasy football because it would be cruel to just stay on that subject and <laughs> torment you. Uh, let's let's focus on the compine. Compine happened last week, and I thought rather than us sit here and and hash through the combine. Uh, get somebody who I mean I enjoy the combine. I haven't quite watched all of it yet because I like to go through and watch like every second of it because I'm a bit of a nerd. But uh, I haven't quite done that yet. But someone who I think might have done, I saw you. <laughs> what did you make of the new uh, the new drills and the, the sort of the new format moving to prime time and uh, and everything with the combine this year? I think uh, a lot of people are a bit nervous about it. Certainly um, agents who didn't know how best to prepare their their kind of clients for it. But ultimately, the, the big uh, drills, like the big sections, they stayed the same, didn't they? You know, yeah. we still had the bench press, we still had the 40, we still had, um, you know, the vert jump, the broad jump, all those kind of things. It was more of the um, routes for skill positions and then the cone drills for like, the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I thought they really worked really well. They were kind of a lot more intuitive, a lot more... Um, you could see the athleticism basically. They kind of like pinpoints exactly what people could and couldn't do because there's so many different drills. I think there's 16, was it, different drills added to it at some point? Like, so, so like the wide receivers were in smoke routes, which never happened before. Um, and whilst you can see maybe before they have three or four drills to run, it kind of doesn't really give you a broad spectrum of what they're able to do. And like for teams who are just trying to find like a, a complementary piece as a wide receiver, they want to know exactly what these guys can do. And I think that not only that, but because it moved to prime time, like you guys said, um, everyone in America, less so over here, but you know, more more people got to be able to see the exact kind of prospects before. Because when I remember before I started against the NFL draft, you heard names, you learned names, but you didn't know what they could do and who they are. I think this opened people's eyes a little bit more. I thought it was really good. I really I was really impressed with it to be honest. And I think it, it worked. I, I agree for the most part. I, there for me were two things. One that will never change no matter what, but it does annoy me. And one that I think is, I can understand why it happened, but I think it's also grossly unfair. So the first thing I'll mention is the 40 time just gets, it just gets too much hype. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not interested in the 40 time at all. Like it just to me is, it's just basically like a show pony parade. Like you're just basically putting the people out there and the only thing I'm interested in is people that grossly outperform their expectation in a positive way or a negative way. So like when Ruggs ran 427, genuinely didn't care. I was just like, great. What I've learned from Henry Ruggs is he's as fast as everyone says he is. Great. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, it, it is pointless. about those. It's, it's like for the, I would say the 40, it's, it's almost like just to get people's attention. Now the 10 yard split is much more important, certainly for like linemen. 
but um, yeah, the, like rugs is a case in point. Everyone knew it was going to run fast. It was it was more about just entertainment value for people, I suppose. But the, if you look at the bigger body wide receivers, um, which I assume we'll get to some names in a bit, if they start running fast, then you've got a talent in your hand. Or say like the fast wide receivers, if they start bench pressing better, you know, then you've got then you or like you know doing vertical jumps when they put the smaller guys. All of a sudden you're starting to see people who've got more small rounded game, and maybe the college tape allows you to see because of course they're in systems at college that might not accentuate what they're good at. Yeah, hundred percent agree. The other thing that annoyed me with it is, and this is a strange one, <laughs> special teams, because the way that the process works is. When you turn up for the combine, you only practice when it's your allocated time to perform the drills. So the kickers and the punters were really bad. I mean, really, really, really bad. Isn't that because they, they turned up on Monday and didn't kick till Thursday or something? Friday. No, it's Saturday. They didn't kick till Saturday. So they went like five days without kicking. <laughs> so it's just like... What's the point? Yeah. What have you gleaned out of it? Like, you, you, if you're going to scrap, like, you might as well scrap it because it's very different to, to run routes. You obviously have to find out what they are, but ultimately, it's, it's not like it's not a rhythm thing. Hmm. You, you do it a couple of times, and, and also you can practice that in the whole way of your hotel. You don't really practice kicking. <laughs> you know, you need a very specific. That would be area. so funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you probably punt in there, but uh, it's going to be a bit, bit difficult. So I, I think that was. They need to think about what they're going to do with special teams because there was a massive drop-off in performance from the special teams guys. And I think that's something they need to think about next year, whether they start with them. Either start with them and don't televise it. Because I don't think, other than a few people, there's that much interest in it. <laughs> True. Um, but, I mean, the, the punter who impressed, you know, got 25 in the bench press. I mean, if you're a D lineman and you've been outpressed by a punter, you should be eliminated from the combine and the draft. <laughs> you should be. That was literally the only takeaway I had from the special teams people that the one punter got 27 uh, reps on the, on the bench press. I didn't even know they kicked some punters. I would question what the point of going to Indianapolis in a dome and kicking and punting in front of people who, what, what the hell is that going to prove anything? I assume if they're looking for kickers and punters, they already know how well they can kick in. You know, uh, I'm sure they, they might want to get to their pro days outside and, and watch that instead. But I, I disagree with you because it's the pressure. Because no, anybody, could, anyone could kick with no pressure on. I mean, you know, the, the Buccaneers took Roberto Aguayo, who was the, <laughs> the best kicker in, in college history, oh. and all of a sudden you, you start to put a bit of pressure in him by putting him in, I don't know, a stadium with people in it. <laughs> and all of a sudden he was like, the kid the kid didn't know where the goalposts were. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And I think that's that's the, the key to it, knowing that it's the biggest audition of your life in front of yeah, all good. your employers. I think that's the reason why it is useful. I agree the dome bit is a bit, you know, mind you, having said that in five to 10, well, what, 10, 20 years time, every stadium will be a dome, except maybe Lambeau because it's iconic. And the Chargers because they'll be playing on some dirt tracks somewhere. But, uh, <laughs> well, they're in the Rams stadium, aren't they? No, that's true. That's true. It's going to be uh, actually looking really impressive. Have you seen? Have you guys seen like the uh, outside of the Las Vegas uh, Raiders Stadium? That's just like the Death Star. It's amazing. Yeah. It does look crazy. cool. You just called it Ram Stadium. I'm pretty sure it's a joint venture, no? No, it's the Ram. <laughs> no, Cronky's oh, built yeah. it. It's not not they've not built it together. No. Yeah, I thought it was a. They're a, getting basically a free ride. Oh. They're probably paying maintenance costs, upkeep, but the, yeah, the, it's, the, it's, it's the Rams who built it. 
it's the cost that Kroenke has to pay to basically move his team back to Los Angeles, doesn't it? Basically, that's to babysit the charges. And, and house the NFL employees because they're all moving into the building. Yeah, no, I knew that. That makes a lot more sense as to why it looks like the Rams logo from above now. I thought, that can't be. That's just a coincidence too far, surely. And obviously it's not. <laughs> no, it's, it's purely just a... Man, I've learned so much today already. I mean, that's, that's the, every day's a school day, mate. Tell me about it. <laughs> Tell me about it. So, Sai, which players really stood out to you at the Combine and, and obviously flip that? Who didn't? Okay. So, I mean, if we look at the, the big names, there's a few. I thought, actually, majority of people who went uh, did all right. Um, some obviously did better than others. But there wasn't that many people I thought you really would see the stock drop, maybe outside the fact that other people did better than them. But, like, at the quarterbacks, uh, Justin Herbert, looked absolutely fantastic. He looked very quick on the 40. He was smooth with his throw motion. He had the arm and the accuracy. And he was pushing his arm deep, which was great. Jalen Hurts, quarterback for the uh, wow. uh, Oklahoma Sooners. Wow, he, um, his stock was tumbling because he's not the conventional quarterback. He's Obviously, we know he's a mobile quarterback. And he's not necessarily got the tools you expect from, say, someone like um, Russell Wilson or Paddy Mahomes. But, yeah, he put on a show. And his stock's gone back up now to the day two pick, maybe second round. It's a team like the Steelers could very well be inter- inter- uh, interested in him. Uh, running backs, Jonathan Taylor absolutely blew it away with his athleticism, which he had to get under 4.4 to stop people talking about him like he's slow, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. The guy, the only knock on Taylor is that he drops the football sometimes, you know. But yeah, he ran 4.39. He's back in the first round equation. Uh one of our colleagues, Ollie Hodgkinson, he's a Boston College Eagles fan. He's been banging the drum for AJ Dillon for a long time. This guy's 250 pounds running back. And he ran 4.51 seconds 40, which obviously, again, like you say, Murph, not necessarily indicative on the end of itself. But at that size, if he's starting to run like that, he's going to start making, uh, turning some heads. And the draft where there's a lot of talent at running back. And people might end up just waiting to the later rounds to grab somebody. AJ Dillon might become like that next Derek Henry style of running back, although matching that kind of guy's production might be a bit of a stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Akers, Florida State. Um, not one of my favourite prospects, but looked very smooth, very quick. And he's been in a bad situation down in Tallahassee, as need to be fair to him. That's an absolute shocker of a, of a programme of a, of a program at the moment. So, yeah, he had a good time. Uh I don't know. The tight ends for you, Stocks. Uh, Troutman did well in three cons, 6.78 seconds. And like you said, Albert O smashed that 40. But really, the tight the ends didn't really jump off the screen for me, I don't think. No. Um, stock down, guys. Jake Fromm, sadly. I like Jake Fromm. But um, he was just trying a little bit too hard to show people he could throw the ball deep and he was just losing but, a bit of accuracy. And I think that's going to be a punch to him. But on this, and I, I, I can't help but feel for Jake Fromm that he he got a little bit unlucky because before him was Eason. Yeah. And Eason ripped it. Like, because that's what Eason can do. Anybody who would have gone after Eason <clears throat> would have looked weak in comparison. Oh, I agree. I completely agree. Is it, polar opposites, aren't they, really? Because Eason is deep ball, fantastic. I think he threw it. They're doing like a test of how hard he threw it and he topped it at 62 um, ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous how hard he was throwing that football, but losing accuracy when he went deep compared to Fromm, who's known for very good accuracy. No one does throws the back shoulder fade as, as well as Fromm did in college over the last three or four years. Um, it's one of those things. I mean, I think obviously scouts are well first in this. They know everyone knows what Jake Fromm is. He's a very reliable, solid quarterback who can't throw the ball deep. That's just his game. That's the way it goes. There's people in the league who've done that. But, uh, Andy Dalton's had a great career so far, I would say. I keep cons- with limited. I was say, that's a, that's a physical pretty good comp. 
That's pretty good. A lot of people say that, yeah. What, what, um, go on, sorry. I was going to say, what about Chase Claypool doing well for his stock value? Do you think he had a good combine? Oh, he, well, there's a big group of um, like big body, um, I would call possession receivers in that middle of the draft that probably jockey for position. So you've got Denzel Mims, who had an absolutely fantastic combine. He ran 6.66 seconds to recall. That was the fastest of the whole combine. Um, and he's a big guy. But Chase Claypool, yeah, he was 229 pounds in college. He rocks up to the combine at 238 pounds. So everyone's saying, oh, this guy should be playing tight end. Um, and then he blows away with, everyone away with a 4.4340. He looks really smooth, great hands in, in pass catch. things. Like to me, he's pushed himself. Uh, he's probably pushing himself into like the third round equation, maybe even jump into the second round if people are you know, that obsessed with size. It depends. I mean, it's going to be pick your poison, these wide receivers, guys, because some guys who are speedy, like Jalen Rigg, might have put a bit too much weight on, and he, he, you know, they might not have been happy with that so much. But um, yeah, I did enjoy Chase Claypool. I really like um, Donovan People. People's Jones from Michigan, who didn't have a great season last year, but I think he was just completely hamstrung by Shea Patterson and that offense. And um, this guy's an athletic freak. He like was forty-four and a half inch vertical leap and eleven foot seven inches on the broad jump, which isn't that far away from Byron Jones's record. Um, but yeah, I'd say DPJ and Chase Claypool, who apparently it was only him and Calvin Johnson who've ever done those numbers at his size before uh, in the draft, which is not bad company to be in, really, is it? No. I, tell you, I also like Brand, Brandon Ayuk. Is that is that how you say his name? Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, you, he's a he's a, an athletic guy, isn't he? Um, really stocky but fast. Mm. Um, he's gonna have he's gonna have some seasons like um, I've I would possibly consider him to be that kind of a Debo Samuel kind of guy. He looks uh, hard to bring down, very good at, after contact, but also able to get into short spaces and pick the ball up and, and do dangerous things with it. He's um, a guy who's definitely getting some momentum. Uh, and then there's guys who are just unlucky. Like um, one of the Merce boys, Van Jefferson, he broke his bone. He found a broken bone in his foot, didn't he? He's out for eight weeks. That's basically cleaned out his pre-draft process. Uh, and he was he was enjoying a bit of momentum as well. People got excited about him at the senior bowl. He was looking really good. Um, T Higgins, uh, he didn't compete in any of the drills. And I think that was probably a mistake on his part. Massive because he's a he's one of the big-bodied guys who was probably considered first-round worthy. And then he sees other guys performing really well you know if you're a team looking for one of those possession receivers why why spend your first round pick when you can get someone who looks like they can do it in the second or third um yeah with every year of the draft i mean like you said jared pinkney had him as, as your fifth overall tight and i think i did the same as well um he's supposed to just do it all athletic tight end but he looked rigid in drills he had the worst 40 time out of all the guys position you got to take the clip the the combine with a pinch of salt really is it's all about verifying or questioning what you already think you know about a guy so yeah if, for instance everyone who looks at pinkney and saw that say they're going to start thinking hang on is there is a clues on tape to show that this guy maybe not be as athletic as we think he is and they'll go back and start watching the tape again and just seeing exactly what what it is that maybe maybe it's just poorly trained i mean we've seen guys rock up to the combine and absolutely nothing orlando brown at like four or five on the bench press He's in the size of that guy. He should be knocking. That's ridiculous, but he's, he's had an absolutely fine career. So, yeah, combine. It's, it, you've got to be careful with it, but it is valuable. Nah, I, I agree. A couple of other guys arrowed down for me for different reasons. Uh, LaVisca Shano, obviously now, shoulder injury. He he looks uh, he looks like he's going to miss his draft process as well. Um, killer injury at the worst time, and he's always had a bit of a history of records, I think, that's uh, of injuries. So, uh, he's someone I think is going to 
Um, He was a first round grade. Mm. I think someone could plump and take the risk for him, but I'm not so sure now. I just think there's too many other guys. I think in a year with shorter talent, he might have still held on to that. Um, But I don't think so now. I think he's a, he's a day two guy now. Uh, Clyde edwards I don't think he had a good combine. I don't think it was terrible. But I think when you look at people like Akers, you mentioned, I think Hilaire might have got himself out of those top five running backs. Just didn't really stand out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Zach Moss, he pulled up. I mean, he finished his 40 time. But again, someone who probably needed a really clean run, didn't mm. really uh, get to do everything as a result of pulling up in the... I don't think it's serious. I think it's hamstring or or calf or something. It's it's, it's not something he's gonna like. He'll, he'll need a good pro day, but I think that's gonna kill some of his um, momentum. Definitely a little bit. Um, one of the guys that really shocked me was uh, Jalen Riga. He was someone that really shocked me at the at the combine because it just kind of he has he's quite a heavy guy for the size he is, but he he really really like did everything he could at that combine. I think he really really stood out. As you mentioned, T Higgins he falls down the board. Van Jefferson falls down the board. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, I was really impressed with um, Herbert. I've always said I'm not a fan of his, but uh, he showed some massive athleticism. And actually, since you know he smashed the bowl game, smashed the senior bowl, smashed the combine. I think he's shown me that he could probably work in a different system and, and actually be quite effective. I'm not saying I'd be excited to draft him or see him in the Buccaneers uniform, but at least I don't think he's the lost cause that I thought. I thought he was quite slow, um, very flat-footed, someone who wasn't overly athletic, mm. and he's absolutely smashed the combine. He's shown how athletic he is. So I don't think there's any any prospect out there who's had a better pre-draft process than. Uh... Uh, Justin Herbert, he's just absolutely nailed every, every aspect of it. I mean, there's always been question marks, not only about his athleticism, um, but also about his leadership and things like that. And he seems to have impressed coaches. Uh, you saw him talking quite a lot at the, at the combine. I think he's he's took criticism on board well, and I think he did it before the end of the season. If you look at his uh, the Pac-12 championship game against Utah, he was a different man. And then in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin, he basically won the game single-handedly for for Oregon. That was a huge uh, feather in his cap, and I think he's given the confidence to take like. I don't know, the initiative in the last couple of months and really, really proved to people that he's, you know, there's, there's rumours now that some teams might consider him over Tua, which obviously is probably just a case of um, what have you done for me lately. But, uh, yeah, and it's not for me, but, you know, you, that just shows how far he's come when, you, when considering prior to all this, people were questioning whether uh, Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, what are these guys, you know, are they nipping at Herbert's heels? That, quest, that, that has well and truly been put to bed now. Definitely. So that transitions us nicely into what we're really interested in is the skill positions uh, for fantasy mm-hmm. football, QBs, wide, uh, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. We've, we've gone through a number of names, but what are your top five in, in each of those sort of positions? And uh, if there's a, a sort of a, a glaring shock away from consensus, uh, give us a little bit of a, a brief as to why that is. Uh, well, top, I might, my, my, um, difference of opinions with most people tends to come second third and later rounds I think but um, yeah quarterback I'm pretty much sticking with the norm here we've got Joe, Joe Burrow at number one it's just he's, he's, I, to me he's, he's, almost, he's like you couldn't get a better prospect right now 
for you for, if you're picking first it's almost like the Cincinnati Bengals who've who I don't know over my lifetime have made bad decisions it's almost like they it's impossible to make a bad decision there two attacker like by lower obviously all the medicals coming back as as good as they possibly can be so far he's he's, he's basically 1B and then uh, Herbert 3 Jordan Love 4 and even though I don't particularly enjoy him and like his play I know you quite like him if, uh, Jacob Eason's been number 5 I think he's jumped above there Jake from just based on traits and potential rather than necessarily what they did at college uh, running back DeAndre Swift because he's a do-it-all running back uh, this is where I changed a little bit a lot of people have J.K. Dobbins as number 2 but I've got Jonathan Taylor. I like Jonathan Taylor. No guy, you know, 6,000 yards from the line of scrimmage uh, over three years in Madison. I know they've got a good offensive line down there. They do it every year, but that is phenomenal. Mm. J.K. Dobbins, again, he's a, a game-breaking talent. He's my number three. I actually thought Edward Hilaire, even though he didn't run particularly well at the Combine, showed, showcased why he's considered to be one of the top backs, and that is his pass-catching ability. To me, he's the number four guy. And Cam Akers, who, a guy, again, because I don't like the Florida State Seminoles and I never have. Um, hey! <laughs> he's a, I don't like Florida either, Murph. Don't get too excited. Um, but you like but, uh, the ball of Florida State. Well, yeah. yeah you, you, can't, you can't not do, can you? Free Shoes University. Amen. But, uh, yeah, Cam Akers, he proved himself, I think, that he is the, is the number five guy at the very least in this running back class. Wide receivers, uh, I personally prefer uh, Jerry Judy to CD Lamb, but it's, it's basically... 1A, 1B again, then both can play really well. Did you guys see C.D. Lamb's uh, ridiculous catch? Yes. Yeah, incredible. I mean, it was a poor throw and he made the most of it. You know, it's like a goalkeeper tipping the ball over the crossbar when he could probably just, like, caught it. it was, but that's, you know, that's the, what he's there to do. He's there to showcase and he did it. Um, Henry Ruggs is, and I get really annoyed about Henry Ruggs' uh, snark because a lot of people just assume he's this speedster, this track guy, and it's not true. You watch his game. He's one of the best wide receivers in college football. It's that simple. He can do everything. He can box uh, uh, cornerbacks out. He can high point the football. You've seen on basketball court, court slam dunking. No, mercy, not too chuffed about this. I think he's uh, <laughs> on the fence with rogues, but uh, it's definitely my wide receiver three. And, uh, and I'm not sure if this is the case for everyone as well, but uh, Justin Jefferson has always been in that same bracket for me. Um, he's a guy who doesn't really showcase amazing size or amazing athleticism but he does it all and in this track and in this uh, combine I think he went 4.44 uh, in the 40 which shut a lot of people up and when you had other guys who didn't necessarily stand out like you say LaVisca Chanel and Brandon Ayuk who maybe they were just they were fine nothing wrong with them obviously injury derailed uh, LaVisca a little bit I think he's really stepped into that uh, top bracket now for me he's a first uh, round right receiver all day um, one of those guys who's just going to basically catch the football all the time you're just going to see him Propping up the stats week in, week out. And then after that, your fifth number five for the wide receivers, that's where there's going to be, right, you could basically take your pick. For me, I would probably go, I don't know, even people like Antonio Gandhi-Golden had a fantastic combine. He's a guy who all he did was catch footballs at Liberty. But, yeah, it literally, it depends what kind of wide receiver you want for the fifth spot. I've gone the Viscational, and I think he's going to stick there. I know a lot of people like T. Higgins. To me, he's got the very faintest whiff of a bust about him. Mm. Uh, so I've dropped him down to a second round rounder. But yeah, all the names we've already discussed, including and uh, Hamler as well from uh, Penn State, which we haven't mentioned. Uh, you know, they're all in the mix for that, that number five spot. And tight end, uh, Cole Komet is a lot of people like him, but I think Adam Troutman's jumped up to number one. Um, I've been convinced by uh, Rebecca Rennie, my colleague on the, <laughs> I can sort of start doing a little fist pump there. Um, yeah. Uh, Rebecca Rennie's, uh, She's my colleague on the touchdown. She's uh, very much focused on the FCS prospects. 
and she's been banging the drum for Adam Troutman for a long time. Finally got around to watching his tape and he's just superior. He just is. He's, he's, he's got it all put together a lot better than the other guys have. And the other guys were based on traits. So Troutman's my number one. Komet's number two. I think I've got Bryson Hopkins number three. Hunter Bryant number four. Um, and I'm not a big fan of Hunter Bryant, but you can tell he's going to be this kind of like just a, I don't know, seam tight end, the guy who's going to, he's going to be able to reel the ball in, but not necessarily offer you anything in the blocking. And I think he's listened to that criticism, put on too much weight for the combine and really was a bit sluggish in it. We were, I think people were expecting to really dominate in the athleticism drills and he never did that. But that's not the reason why I've got him as number four. I just, I like him more of an all-round tight end, really. And his name's State, the other Bryant, Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic. He's another guy who's... Um, he played probably some after top five, I think. He's another, again, a pass a catching tight end. So not bad job, Stocks. Well done, mate. Thanks, buddy. Let's uh, put a little bit more faith into my... I mean, there's a couple of guys you mentioned and Murph mentioned earlier that I'd never heard of. So I, obviously, <laughs> I'm not listening to quite the right people, but I, um, we're doing a sort of rankings process between the five-yard staff and... I, I don't want my stuff to be skewed by Murph's knowledge. I want to do my list and stick by it and see. No, you should, that's exactly what you should do. You should go by what you see and what you do. I just, I just, Albert O is just someone I just can't. No, that's fine. I, I can't get behind. The rest I, of your list, I was, I was like, fine. I was surprised not to see Bryson Hopkins in there. See, I just have not heard his name. To be fair, Albert O was my number three. And as I was writing it, as I was writing it, I thought, how have I not got this guy number one? Everything I was writing, it just felt like I should put this guy number one. And then I thought, I'm going to publish this. I'm going to put him number one and see how the chips fall. Yeah. I, I mean, the reason I have Hopkins at one is I just, I end up thinking he's probably not going to be a tight end. So ultimately, I, I think he's just going to be, he's going to line up in the slot. I just, that, that's what I see happening. Or he's going to be a gadget player. Right. I, he's the sort of player I can see with his speed. He's someone I can see doing almost what Debo is doing sort of he'll do some end arounds he'll you know he'll be in the screens he'll I just see him like the way that he moves and his his catching ability and and, and move ability I just see so much Cooper Cup in him oh but he's just bigger he's just obviously bigger but he's still got great athleticism he never gets knocked down by like one guy so I I I actually think Bryson Hopkins is I would say personally a little underrated. And if he goes to the right team, I think he could be it could be really, really good in a couple of years. So when he was at when he was at Purdue, he lined up as a, a H-back a lot because he has all those um playmaking abilities that you're suggesting, Murphy. He's a very exciting player to watch. Um is Bryson Hopkins and I and I love him. I think he's one of my one of my favourite prospects in this draft class. Uh, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Purdue to be honest. But um yeah he's going to be that kind of guy where you will see him pop up doing different things and you get him in a certain kind of offense with like, you know, creative play calls like Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or something like that. And you'll see, you'll start to see exactly what he can do it, with a lot of these prospects, like anything. It all depends on where they land as much as how much talent they've got. Hey, look, anyone who plays for a team whose nickname is the Boilermakers, I can get on board with. That's, <laughs> that is some mental nicknameage. I mean, obviously they make boilers down there and stuff, but they... <laughs> there must have been something else a little easier to roll off the tongue than the Boilermakers absolutely well look, we, we've got a couple of minutes left um, you've put a lot of work into the the draft hub over at the touchdown so why don't you tell us all where people have been given a lot of names here today that we've all gone through combine hits and misses uh, people to look out for but where can people um, 
sort of find out a bit more information on on the draft hub and what kind of information and uh, what else is going to be uh, coming on the draft hub. So you can if you head over to uh, the touchdown.co.uk forward slash draft hub, you will find out well basically everything we do uh, for the draft. I, I've got a, a quality. Um, group of writers who write for me we've got doing loads of stuff so i've done i think we've done about 250 prospect uh, reports so far all of the offensive ones are up there and i think the defensive line ones will be dropping before the end of the week um we've got ollie who does i think he's had six uh, interviews now with different prospects jalen johnson's been one of them the, the quarterback for utah and um, a couple of fcs prospects as well uh, and alex highsmith one of the edge rushers for uh, charlotte who's going to be possibly a day two pick, more than likely a day two pick. So we've got some good stuff there. We do a perfect picks um, series where we go through every different team and see who they might target based on, you know, value, need, and who's going to be there at the, when they're drafting. Plenty of different articles. Like I said, Rebecca Rennie does a lot of the FCS stuff as well. Um, we're going to be continuing all that. We'll probably crack on with a lot more mock drafts before the end of it, even though I like to wait until after free agency myself to do that kind of thing. Um but yeah, it's anything and everything really is going to is going to be there. It's definitely going to be. A, hopefully, I, I hope you all agree. Um, a place where you can go to get any kind of information you want. And um, we, we do. We are really enjoying doing it. We're very proud of it. And like I say, yeah, just head over to the touchdown.co.uk forward slash draft hub and check it out. Yeah, definitely. It's a it's an it's an mm. awesome guide. Um, it's massive. It, it given the fact that it's a non subscription site as well, the amount of information that's on there and the way it looks. Like it's just it's just incredible. You you should be really proud. It's it's an awesome uh resource, but it's just it's not just, just the info in there. Anyone can put info on a on a site if they are smart enough and got it, but it's just the way you got it looking and uh with all the pop ups and, and everything. It's just uh it's 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 awesome man, you should be proud. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. We like to think we we not we give it our own say. We don't it's it's, a, it's it's game of opinion, the NFL draft. It always is. You know, no one's ever going to be right all the time. Scouts not right all the time, let alone um, us draft nicks. And uh, yeah, it's, I think guys should be able to make their own opinion and we're just there to, to open up people's eyes and see who is out there and who could be on your team next year. Yeah, definitely. Awesome stuff. So, well, listen, we'd love to have you back on to talk more prospects coming into the off season. Like maybe once the draft's done, where people have la- people have landed and stuff like that. But. Before then, you can why don't you let Rush Nation know where they can find your awesome podcast and, and where your work is over at the Touchdown. Well, you guys can hit me up whatever you want, really. I, I, I've got I'm on Twitter all over the place. So at NFL Draft Sci, if you want to get me there, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, go and check out the Collapsing Pocket podcast if you like swearing beer and then football. That's probably the, uh, the best place for that. That's at Pocket Crumble. And of course, yeah, hit at the Touchdown UK as well for, for the website. Yeah, and wherever you want to hit us, ask us some questions. We'll, we'll definitely get back to you. Yeah, defo. And uh, you'll be back on draft week as well. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Part two of the part two of the mock draft. It'll be interesting. Now we've had the combine, once we have free agency, it'll be interesting to see what has changed in people's minds. I know Mine's blown up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> mine I think I didn't see a scenario where Sue was gonna come back and now that looks to it looks like he's coming back. So that would change the need for Kinlaw. So, well, I was drafting for the I was drafting for the Colt, uh, sorry for the Saints at twenty four. Uh, after this combine, I don't think uh, Mackay Beckton's going to be there at twenty four anymore. So. <laughs> no, I mean the guy ran a five one one, which was just phenomenal. No. He, he won't. Trust me, he won't. Yeah, there's no way he'll be there. <laughs> right, so man, this has been absolutely awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much. You're welcome. We'll catch you down the road, Murph. See you on Thursday. But Rush Nation, as always, don't forget, keep rushing. It's gone!
we are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 